transgeneral is recorded on stolen land that rightfully belongs to the Walla medical people, who have called this land home for countless generations and were displaced by European genocide. So-called Australia is a colonial settlement. The sovereignty of this land was never ceded. Reparations have been paltry and disgustingly tokenistic, and this is, was, and always will be Aboriginal land. I pay my respects to the elders of the Walla medical people, past, present, and emerging. This episode, and basically this entire series going forwards, just needs a bit of a preface. But firstly, content warnings. Mentions of sexual assault, but without details. Mentions of physical abuse, but, you know, with some details. Mentions of the concept of wanting to die badly enough to plan a suicide. I think that's everything, but please send anything you found triggering, and I'll add it to the show notes. I'll be speaking very candidly and frankly about a lot of trauma I've experienced, to varying degrees of severity and to varying degrees of detail. This limited series of transgeneral focuses on my specific brand of non-binary butchness, how that came about, why it's so important to me, who my role models are, and why it's important, now more than ever, to fight for trans rights like your life depends on it, because our lives do depend on it. In discussing all these things, we will naturally have to talk about the source of the traumas that shape our community. I will be using somewhat dated language by neoliberal standards, because in many ways, I do not agree with the sectarianism of trans and non-binary as two separate identities. In the same way that the trans community is being ditched by the neoliberal LGB community, so too are so-called binary trans people splitting themselves off from the struggles of the greater trans community of all of us NBs, genderqueers, he, she's, bull dykes, and so on. The non-binary people who explicitly don't identify with the label trans, a label we all originally shared before it's co-opting by neoliberal trans ideologues, usually do so out of a distaste for those who identify with an oppressive system that hurts us far more than it hurts them. I do not blame those of you non-binary people who do not use the label of trans. And even after listening to what I have to say, if you continue not to do so, I wouldn't blame you there either. It has connotations that I truly detest and comes with an implicit direction with cis people love to ask so they can know your genitals. I don't want to mince words here. The concept of binary transness is a de-queering of trans identity. I give explicit permission to all of you out there who self-label as a trans person to prefix non-binary because there is no binary. It's made up by cis people. I invite you to do it in either a big way or a small way. Make a grand statement or just send it to your best friend. But I hope this gets through the message of solidarity I want to send. Tell people why you're doing this, please. Spread the truth about non-binary struggles. I also talk at several points this episode about the history book Transgender Warriors by Leslie Feinberg. This book brought to my attention the very nakedness of bigotry. It was first made by men in agrarian societies who amassed too many assets under a matrilineal system. These men intentionally spread harmful lies about the classes of everyone who isn't a man, to begin with, and then further metastasized their bigotry when their society encountered a new different type of person. I wish this was hyperbole, but there's a reason why every indigenous culture has more than two genders, and globalized capitalist colonialism does not. The patriarchy could be infiltrated by trans people because if you can gender walk, you can become an oppressor specifically to disarm the oppressors. But now, 
there is so much distance between the workers and the overlords that we've got a little breathing room. We're no longer a threat to them because the odds of us being able to do anything in such a big world are so low. Globalization is what is keeping us so thoroughly oppressed. And it's why uprisings are going to be harder and harder until the fall of capitalism. So, in this fleeting moment of human history before fascism rises again for many of us, and already has for many others, in some ways we still got to be ourselves, to varying degrees, depending on your local laws and your sneakiness. Let's smash the state, erase the binary, crush the patriarchy, and break our chains. I am not free until everyone is free. Welcome back to Trans General. We've renovated the place. Why don't you come on in? Hey everyone, welcome back to Trans General. It's strange, I suppose, to be talking into my podcasting mic again. It's been a really hard few years. I really took for granted how much mental strength I had, how little it wore me down all of the transphobia that I faced. I took for granted the support that I had. I took for granted the friendships that I had. And yeah, I just didn't have the imagination to know what life would be like a few years down the road. And I don't know if I've ever talked about on the podcast, but I'm autistic. And I didn't actually even realize how little I was paying attention to and being careful with other people's needs and feelings that were simply unspoken. So I've had a hard road, I suppose. And that's not to speak of all of the things that we'll be talking about that brought me to this place in the first place. I guess let's just start with my name. So when I was doing the show, I was going by Charlotte. A few few years later, I think two, maybe a little bit more, I started going by Lottie. And I like that better. Lottie means masculine woman in German. And that that was really good. I liked that. I liked owning my masculinity. But it was still, I still didn't, feel like it was mine, I felt like I'd failed at gender. I felt like 
the binary had its grips in my mind. I, despite being exceptionally non-binary, still was buying completely and totally into the notion that I'd failed if I didn't pass. Even if I didn't believe it, it was still there in my mind, like a little turf on my shoulder. It wasn't until just a few months ago when I put up the announcement for Transgeneral Future that that was only very shortly after I started reading a novel called Stone Butch Blues. And I've gone on to read more works by Leslie Feinberg, and I'm sure we'll talk about them on this podcast, but that novel in particular was incredibly empowering, incredibly... I I couldn't go more than, let's say, a chapter before finding a page that would make me break down in tears with how visceral and relatable it was with how much the loneliness hit me, with how much the obsession about wanting people to love you, with like how much... It was just truly what I needed when I needed it most. And it was after reading that book that I realized that there was actually a name that I already picked out for myself when I was a child. I used to want to change my name as a kid because I've always hated my dead name. But when I was a child, I thought I was male or whatever term you want to put on those social constructs, I suppose. But the name was Charles. And now that I've just completely dismantled the idea that me doing anything has any say in what my gender is, I've come to like that name a lot more. It's not the one I use in my day-to-day because I like going by Charlie. And I find that a lot nicer of a name for me in my day-to-day. But amongst other butchers, I've started going by Charles and it feels so empowering because for so long, the little voices on my shoulder would say, if I went back towards anything to do with masculinity that I was failing in my transition. And those voices didn't come from nowhere. They came from my own hubris. My own hubris to think it was funny to look at what TERFs thought. My own hubris to think it was okay to look at what Kiwi Farms had posted literally about me. My my naivety. My... Just my freshness to being trans. And now that I know that I fit in this niche that so few people who were assigned male at birth find their ways into, I feel like it's my responsibility and my duty to make relatable content for us. There really isn't anything out there for people like me. And recently a friend of mine was listening back through Transgeneral and pointed out that I said that. And likened it to how I now feel like I have so much community. I've started building communities for people just like me. And I've been taking the time and the patience and the care to help people in those communities process all of the trauma that comes through having this life. And that's only after I went through five years of therapy. It's been an incredible journey. And I'm happy that I get to share it with Transgeneral again. I'm happy that I get to share it with our listeners because I know how much you cared 
and I know how important the show was, and I really wish that I could bring back the energy that we used to have. I was listening back to Transgeneral today, and I almost cried listening to the Bad Times episode. Like, I almost cried when Kurt talked about what an awful experience was had in the gender studies class when they played Brandon Tina's police call. And I almost cried at so many other times when we were just having a good time, when we were being friends. The future is dark. My path away from the liberal spaces that I used to run in has been hard. There is so much that I just accepted as true without any critical thinking. And if only I had known then what I know now, Transgender would have been a very different show. I've found myself becoming an anarchist, an indigenous rights activist, a trans liberationist, and it's brought me further and further into this despair, into this, this feeling that the world can't be fixed. And for a very long time, I'd, I'd say for possibly a whole two years, that pulled me into this deep, deep depression. I didn't have the energy because I had been continually getting myself into trauma-bonded emotional relationships with people who couldn't take care of themselves and required me to take care of them very directly with what little energy I had. I burnt myself out so heavily and I nearly killed myself. I wasn't taking care of myself because I didn't believe that I was worth taking care of. I didn't believe that my abandonment trauma was actually a real problem because it happened to me and not to someone else. I totally bought into my own bullshit that I was an exceptionally strong person who could tank as much emotional damage as needed and never have to heal. I I, I bought my own personality construct. It It's kind of funny to think about, but when that's all you've had your whole life, it's really hard to know what the difference is. I was in denial. I was completely in denial about just how formed of trauma I was because it's all I'd ever known. Chelsea actually said to me quite recently that when she knew me, it seemed like I was always carrying a weight around and... I finally know what it feels like to not be doing that. At the time, if you'd told me it, it seemed like I was doing that, I would have not known what you meant because this is the only life I knew. I knew I was depressed, but I didn't know that everything was just so entwined, so extremely hard to fix because when your entire sense of self is an incredibly compressed ball of trauma, when your entire life you've been denied bodily autonomy by your caregivers and the people meant to protect you, when all of your interactions with authority figures have involved people abusing you because they never thought to think that you were different, to think that, oh, maybe this child who was acting extremely strangely might have autism. Uh, and there was so much shame around it. I'm going to get a tattoo on my arm that says autistic. But until my 
I think until a year ago, I hadn't even told my psychologist I was autistic. It was something that I did keep quite guarded because I thought that I was doing fine and that nobody needed to know and that I would handle it. But I was kidding myself. I was, I was so Dunning-Kruger about, like, just me. I, it, it's, it's, like, almost funny to think about in retrospect, I guess, but it's quite tragic. But, I, you know, that, that's a good sign that I'm on the mend because comedy is tragedy plus time. I didn't want to believe that I didn't understand other people. Like, I know now that I completely did not understand other people, but it was something that I used to get defensive about. It was, like, it reminded me so much of my mother gaslighting me that it always threw up hard emotional responses, and I did not have the emotional maturity to deal with that. I, I now know that, like, autistic people, like, we age a lot slower when it comes to mental stuff, and I'm sort of only just getting there and it sucks and I try not to feel embarrassed about it but it's literally just my life and that embarrassment is just a remnant of my shame but at least it's just embarrassment now before it was entirely it was entirely consuming I I recently read a book I recently read an illustrated adaptation of a book by Osama Rezai called No Longer Human um, it was illustrated by Junji Ito one of my favorite manga artists and that book is, in my opinion, very clearly about an autistic person growing up in early 20th century Japan. And it just resonated so very truly how, as a child, I was always acting out as the class clown because it was, it was scary how little I understood other people and how they would bully me for it. I needed to be someone lovable and kind and... I didn't know how to be that, so I ended up being a shell of trauma. I ended up being a fighter, a scrapper, and that completely and totally influenced who I am today as a butch. My gender is something that I really want to talk about because I never really talked about it on the show. I didn't understand my gender. I just knew that I had to not be a man. Being a man was so viscerally repulsive to me, and it still is, and like, I know now, after having seen my psych for quite a while, recently we talked about how I went to boarding school for, I think it was six months in total. And in that time, I suffered so much trauma at the hands of boys and men that I won't go into here because I do not want to put those kinds of content warnings on this first episode. But suffice to say, it's definitely had an imprint on me. I think I can definitively say that I was innately agender. I did not have a sense of gender at all as a child. I was basically just a blank print. I was a mimic. I still am a mimic. And I really like trains. And I... Oh, and also when I was angry, I bit people. Like really, really hard until I drew blood. That was like my hallmark. And because of that, my mother vilified me. And that vilification stayed with me throughout my life. Because my mother definitely fucking has autism. Like, she is textbook. But my mother never dealt with her autism. She never learned anything about her autism. So she's just a cruel person who thinks that she's doing the right thing. 
And if that ain't just a good fucking descriptor for exactly the kind of person she turned me into through repeated intentional trauma to quote-unquote harden me to the cruelty of this world. Yeah, I don't know what is, hey? That's, I mean... (laughs) Uh, The first time I heard the description of going stone, I just started crying. Because I never had a word for the emotional hardening that I had to go through when I was, like, helped. When I was abandoned in boarding school for three weeks, the first three weeks that I went to the boarding school, I had to stay there by myself with all of these people who were being cruel to me. I wasn't allowed to go home on the weekends, even though my parents only lived half an hour away. It was child abuse. I was so alone. I had to be okay with it or I was going to die. That's how it felt. And I tell you this of only scraps of my own memories because most of that is blocked out. As many of you with trauma, I'm sure know, such memories are hard to retrieve and take years of therapy to uncover and yet years more to recover from. The reason why it took so long for me to put this episode up was because the first time I recorded this episode, it was so full of trauma that I was worried I would actually traumatize listeners. I literally took MDMA and I talked through things that would make me break down for hours. But because MDMA is a therapy drug, I was able to cry for only a few seconds per thing I said, and then I felt fine. And I was going to re-record that episode after having done so first while taking MDMA, but I went to re-record it and I, I couldn't listen to it. I, I still can't listen to it. It's a lot and I don't think I'm ever going to show it to any of you. I don't think you should have to hear that. When I set out recording myself on that night, my intention was to monologue about my life in a way that was reminiscent of Stone Butch Blues because that was a story about someone just like me. And the thing is, I succeeded. I made a work just like Stone Butch Blues, but with all of the trauma and none of the success. And one day I'll mix in all of that trauma with a bunch of tales of success. I'm going to make a book. I'm going to make a book about those of us who are stone butch and were assigned male at birth because we exist and I'm not going to exist quietly. I need people to know that I, that I exist. I need to assert my existence to the community and I need to assert my existence to others like me because I feel such, such a protectiveness and, and a sense of care and, I really need, I really need to help others like me because I know now how awful it was just to exist. I know now how close to suicide I came. I know now how little hope it felt like there was in the world for me and I know how horrible all of that felt. And so I plan to dedicate my life, I guess, to being a trans liberationist, to going beyond the binary because it's not enough. It's, 
these, these small affordances that they give us are not enough. It's not enough for binary trans people to be accepted. It's not enough that I should have to pretend that I'm not non-binary in order for people to take me seriously. I recently got a job at Cochlear, which is a company I've wanted to work at for a very long time because medical technology is something that I truly believe in working on. Like, I, I hated working for Optus. I hated working for Westpac. They're both, like awful places to work that are just trying to make money off of people and and yes cochlear still exists under capitalism and they do try and make money off of people but at least i can make the tech good and not break because it's helping real people and i can't watch a video about a cochlear implant recipient talking about their implant without crying because it emotionally affects me so heavily to know that i've improved people's lives and that has been such a huge thing for me as well i I didn't know how far I was being dragged under by these capitalist spaces and how I, I constantly, I just hated everyone I worked with. They were all so Kool-Aid drinking about like the, the entire ordeal. It was insufferable. And I'm not a person of, I'm not a person of, um, I'm not a well-balanced person, I guess. I'm either 0% or 100% on things. And so like, when something makes me upset because people aren't sensitive to, to how, we're, how we're making products that hurt people, well, or at the very least, how we were working in companies that hurt people, like banks, they, like overdraft fees, who the fuck does that come from, poor people? Like, I've never had an overdraft fee because I am, like, I guess I'm middle class, like, I have a job that keeps me comfortable and I've never had to truly worry about money. So that doesn't fucking hit me. I also make enough money that I don't have to have any kind of account opening fees. Those only apply to fucking poor people. It's so fucked up. And the, the like, I was anti-capitalist when I started working for Westpac. I started working there just to get a job title, I wanted to be a technical lead because I wanted to actually make like progression in my career, I guess. Um, I, I don't want to be a technical lead ever again. I suck at managing people. Fuck that shit. And also, fuck managing people. I, I think that was one of the things that really cracked open my anarchism was how much I was just like, yeah, do what you want. You're not in trouble or anything. Like, I don't care. You go pick up your kid from school, whatever. Um, and just how, how fearful people were when they came to me with those kinds of things. Like, I didn't have the ability to, to hire or fire people, but people were still scared of me because I was there, like, I was meant to be their leader. And that doesn't mean leader. In, under capitalism, leader means punisher. And I, I, my eyes were opened, I guess. I, I really thought I could just be someone who would lead by example, but no. I worked with a lot of people that would constantly afraid and it filled me with rage and I I guess I guess the best analogy that I have for it is that I rattled to pieces I I hated that place so much and I feel so much better working at Cochlear but I still hate capitalism I still hate corporations and I'm becoming more and more of a direct revolutionary. 
which is about fucking time because I never, like, I always knew that the world had to change, but I never wanted to be the person to get up and do it because I was busy dealing with my bullshit, I guess. And there was a lot of it, to be fair, but also that's just not good enough. Like, that's, you shouldn't just be complacent. Like, I was, I was privileged And so I didn't do anything. But now that I'm not privileged, even though I'm still privileged in in ways like my financial security, my job security, I refuse to continue being that person that just sits on my laurels and feels good about myself knowing that I am a progressive. I, I will be out there making change and I don't know how that's going to look yet but I know it's going to happen. And the first way it can happen is by me telling my story and telling fictionalized vignettes about those like me, because I want to compile stories that just feel true to us and then put them all together into a book, just like stone, Witch blues. And it's going to be so good. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's what we need. We're a fractured community that don't know we even exist. I put a post up on Reddit recently that just proclaimed my existence that said, I am Stone Butch and assigned male at birth. And it got such a great amount of support. It was in a subreddit where there are a lot of turf lurkers and it was still the top post for like a day, I think. It was it was incredible. Like, to, to like... 30% of the votes were down votes and it was still the top post for like a day and like multiple people reached out to me and said this is me this is my story and I I felt I felt like I'd done such a good thing that I can't stop and that's what transgeneral coming back is I I'm telling this story now this is my preparation and I'm I'm going to do more. I'm going to... I want to record Stone Butch Blues as an audiobook because Leslie Feinberg made it a free-to-access PDF online. And so I know that Z would not mind... If Z was still alive, Z would not mind that I would make it into an audiobook as well because this is something that needs to be accessed by all of us. We all need this because this is such a unique experience. And to be told by someone... To be told by a butch elder that it's okay, that it's that everything's going to be alright, in a semblance of the word alright. That that we can just be ourselves and have the autonomy to self-identify. It it's so powerful. It's it's incredible. I've got there's another author just like Leslie called Ivan Coyote and I've got all of their works on the way I'm so excited to read them there's so many though I I don't know if I'm ever going to get through them I have ADHD as well as autism so that's like the double whammy awful existence I'm I'm having here um but I'm I'm excited for life I've not been excited for life for a while and I know it's something powerful because I'm excited for life while we all know that fascism is rising globally, it is a scary world, but I believe that we can organize and that we can do something about it. We can do this together because capitalism is, 
because capitalism is going to fall under its own weight. As it continues to just grow and metastasize, it's going to kill itself. It's not going to have the resources to keep going. And that's going to be a tragic and awful thing for many of us. But we can... we. We can find a way to make it better. We can find a way to get through it. We can create communities, intentional communities of care and support, mutual support. And we can lift each other up through these hardships. And I, I, I just can't help but have hope. I can't help but feel like the future can be good even with all of the awfulness that is to come. I live in Australia and as some of you might know, there is a religious freedom bill that is trying to be hammered through parliament by the Liberal National Party. And for those of you who don't know, the Liberal National Party is currently acting exactly like the Nazi Party did in 1935. This bill, if it gets through, will mean that people can deny anyone access to health care because of their religious beliefs. That means specifically people who are queer. Like, we all know what it means. We all fucking know what it means, but they want to couch it in this language because, because of the neoliberal assumption of good faith that everyone has to have, of like, oh, but they didn't mean to write it that way. No, they exactly meant to write it that way. They don't want us to publicly exist. They want us to go back underground. I read the book Transgender Warriors, which is also a book by Leslie Feinberg, but that's a history book. I've known since I met Chelsea and I started learning things about trans people that trans and non-binary people have always existed. But it wasn't until I read this book that I realized just how much we've been suppressed. We have been suppressed by basically every single civilization that has been patriarchal. That's like all of them going all the way back like to prehistory. Every single society that strays from being matrilineal starts imposing bigotry because bigotry means dividing the masses and dividing the masses means that they can't rise up against their rulers. And it's just so fucking simple that like I can't... Like I... I it's almost funny just how simple it is when you get down to the basic of it. Just make people hate each other because of very, very small differences. And then they'll be busy fighting each other. And then they, like, get them distracted while we rob the till. That's what it is. And it boils my fucking blood. And I, I want to do something about it. I want to tell people. I want to tell all of you. It was no coincidence that trans women led the charge at Stonewall. Transgender warriors have always been a thing. Joan of Arc was a transgender warrior, to give a very well-known example. But there have been so many others, and I implore all of you, please, to read Transgender Warriors. It is a book available as a PDF online for free, and it changed my life. Stone Butch Blues changed my life, and then just, just a few months later, Transgender Warriors changed my life again. And I'm, I'm soon going to read Leslie Feinberg's third book, Beyond Pink or Blue. And 
I've been putting it off because I don't know if I'm ready for another huge life change. Like Leslie Feinberg has already lit such a fire in my heart, such a passion for my cause, such, such a righteous indignation of my people that I don't know if I have the strength to just like to aggregate more of that passion inside of me without it just exploding out of me. Like I, I'm, I'm a very emotional person and I'm finally acknowledging that. I'm, I was recently told by a friend of mine that I am the most passionate person she knows. And like that really, that really touched my heart, first of all. And second, I like, I'm proud to be that, but I need to know my limits. And I think I am actually going to have to put off reading this book for at least a few more weeks. And like, you know, that's also okay. We need breaks for many reasons. And emotional overload can be one of those, especially if you're autistic. And I know that being autistic is like an extremely trans thing. So I just want to say like, hey, hey out there to all my listeners who are autistic. I see you. I love you. We are in this together. And we don't deserve how society treats us. I wanna come back around, cause like, I, I, I wanna talk about my gender. I wanna talk about specifically me because you know, I interviewed like a bunch of people on the podcast. I asked them all bunches of questions about their gender. And honestly, I can say now, I did that to try and understand how people were relating to their genders because I couldn't find anyone who related to their gender the way that, in a way that clicked with me. Because, you know, it, it just seemed like I was, I felt like I had a relation to womanhood, but I couldn't figure out how. I knew it wasn't, I knew I, knew I wasn't a woman in, the, in the, the sense of a societal woman, but I knew that I was somehow tangentially alongside women. And it was through Stone Butch Blues and realizing that I am a butch just like Leslie, who is fiercely protective over women, who like wants to lift women up and who wants to, to, like, to be a shield, to brunt the force of this cruel, cruel world that perpetuates so much fucking misogyny. And I, I finally found that and I wanna talk about it right now. I, I, <laughs> I'm too excited, let me just. I want to talk about that right now because it's been too long. It's been f like four years, nearly five, fuck. And I've, I've gone that whole time knowing how I needed my body to be and making myself more and more butch over time. Like I know now like that that's the label that applies so perfectly to me, but not knowing that label, but knowing how your body should be, but having all of these internalized ideas about what it should be to be trans, even if you don't believe them, it, it really messed me up. It really, it, it, it's really hard to not have community. It's really, really hard. And I'm sorry to all of you out there who still don't have community. I hope that, I hope that some of you will find it through what I'm talking about right now. I hope this resonates with some of you. And if it does, please reach out through the form on the website, transgeneral.supplies, because I can help. I can, I can help with this one thing. This is, this is me, I know this. 
and I've made a community space. We've got a Discord. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to have support and to be able to support other people. And I, I'm, so, I'm so keen to help some of you, I hope. But yeah, let me talk about my gender. I, um, let me. Let me let myself talk about my gender. Excuse me, ADHD, could I have a second here, please? I've thought of a label recently that was really, it felt quite funny. Um, because I'm a programmer, you've got like stuff like coroutines and like using the using co as a prefix is a pretty math thing, because it like you know it means like adjacent to, and so co woman is pretty is pretty fucking funny to me. But like you know, it's it's just a funny label, but it's like also an incredibly powerfully descriptive label of how I see myself. Like ever since I was like, uh, here's some here's some more trauma stuff when I was like four or five, I was so extremely neglected by my parents that I became extremely obsessive about the idea of being in a relationship with a girl. And when I was seven years old, I met this girl who we stayed in like what people derisively tell me was not a relationship, but we were as close as could be for children for three years almost. Yeah, it was three years before my parents moved me away to the middle of fucking nowhere. And I remember the feelings I had. I remember, I just, it was so beautiful and pure. And it left me with this obsession around having it again. And that's something that I had to undo over time because it functioned exactly like BPD. I was obsessed with the idea of relationships. But more importantly, and something that I want to stick around is this obsession with protecting women. Because at school, she would get picked on by other people. And you know, what I was always fucking doing was making sure that didn't happen. I'm so happy that there's parts of my childhood that I can feel proud of because it's such a childhood of shame. I was a protective fighter as a child and it, because of strong women in my life, that ended up becoming butch. The only role models that I had, the only, the only authority figures in my life that weren't cruel to me were butch women, like, or, or just, just masculine women, I guess. Um, like, there, there was this, um, this woman that worked for my dad who was just always so kind to me. And there were teachers at school who would, like, actually be like this guy this this fucking kid's autistic hey what, what's up with the hey what's up with the like the not being kind to this kid that's a very autistic child and like that left such an impression on me i had to be like them and like it just it just burrowed down deep into my soul i guess i yeah it it's so freeing to know these things on a surface level now because they they, they lived inside of me and i I've, I've just not been a particularly introspective person, I guess. I've not been very good at it. And that's pretty autistic, by the way. But yeah, um, I'm really glad I finally get to tell everyone that. I'm really glad I get to have my interview episode. And I don't know what the rest of the episodes are going to be like. Maybe, maybe I'll talk more about my shit. Or maybe I'll talk more about relevant shit. I'm probably going to read out some chapters from Stone Butch Blues or something. Um, or just start a different podcast and read out the whole thing. 
I, I don't know what's in store for transgeneral future, but I'm definitely going to be interviewing other stone butchers and talking about our life experience because we're so fringe. Non-binary lesbianism is still seen as invalid by so many people because of how liberalism has infected queerness. Like, there's so many rigid categories and people say you can't be this or you can't be that. And how about it's my fucking gender and I'll decide what labels apply to me. Like, gatekeeping in any form whatsoever is only destructive. That's a lesson that I did not learn for far too fucking long. You should not gatekeep people. If people are not acting in bad faith and they say this is a space for them, you fucking listen to them. And I'm going to end on that note. I'm so glad you're all still listening. I'm so glad to still be here, to be alive, to be myself. For the first time in my life, I feel like I am myself. And I'm so glad I get to share that with you. Thank you so much. The opening song is a bespoke piece called Don't Be Shit, made by my dear friend Cassie Morgan. I'm going to put Cassie's SoundClouds in the show notes. Our outro is Those Anarcho Punks Are Mysterious, a solo performance by Laura Jane Grace, but a song of the band Against Me. Please send in any or all questions and comments on the website transgeneral.supplies using our contact form. Or you can email directly to transgeneralpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, hey everyone. Like now more than ever, I truly mean it. Don't be shit. We're all presidents, we're all congressmen, we're all cops and women. We are the workers of the world. There is the elite and the dispossessed, and it's only about survival. Who has skill to play the game for all it's worth? We're reaching up, scared kind of perfection. Let's try and keep as much emotion out of this as possible. Let's try not to remember any names. We'll do it for country for peace. Come on, help me out. Thank you. Oh, how we like to be told. How we like to be told. We rock because us against him. We found a road. To sing, and it's so much less confusing when lines are drawn like that. When people are either consumers or revolutionaries, enemies or friends hanging on the fringes of the cogs in the system. It's just about knowing where everyone stands. All of a sudden, people start talking about guns, talking like they're going to war. As they found something to die for. Start taking back what they stole, shove it to every other option. Doesn't make a difference how we get it. What do you really fucking get it?